The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Just FYI, we are postponing the love series, Loving Like Jesus series, for two weeks. You know, we listened to Mike's message, so you can blame Mike. Um, listening to Mike's messages last time and last Sunday and everything that's going on in the world with the pandemic, politics, riots, protests, people losing their jobs, and some of you reach out actually and say, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Or why is, you know, one of the questions I got was, why is my son and daughter farther, farther away from the Lord than they were before the pandemic? Now they're seeing everything that's going on. Obviously, God doesn't exist, right? And one of my favorite questions, with all this wickedness all around us, how do we take our country back? Well, last time I checked, I don't have any Pentagon clearance or anything like that. I pastor Grace Fellowship, and I work for Ohio Health. Um, you know, how do we take our country back? Well, that's a good question, right? What, what does it, that even mean? Uh, but these are dark days we are living in. And we're going to look at some scripture today and also next Sunday. And hopefully we'll give us some clarity on these dark days, and we can move as a church doing what God instructs us to do in His Word. So take God's Word and find Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50. You know, sometimes as God's people, we go through darkness. Sometimes we can't see ahead. Sometimes nothing seems to make sense. And we say, God, you're not making any sense. And I want to encourage you today to let you know and let you know that if you haven't had them yet, one of these days you're going to find yourself plunged into a dark, dark, dark despair. You're going to be perplexed. You're going to have problems and confusions. And all your little formulas, all your sermon notes and all those things that you studied in the past, little things you counted on in your pocket, little verses... They're not going to work. And you're not going to understand what God is up to. It'll be so dark in your life, you walk up to a wall real close and you won't even know what color it is. And you wonder, what happened? God died? Lost my mind? Things don't make sense. Or maybe it's all a fairy tale, right? Maybe we'll live in some kind of matrix. What happened? We just don't make any sense out of anything. And suppose the question that I ask get more, and I'm sure it's with every pastor's, is why? Why, why, why? Like I have a magic ball that can answer all your questions. Why? You know, the first hospital visit I did was to visit an older lady, and I was kind of excited to go by myself. You know, no more other pastors that kind of lead and guide you. So she was sick, and I was talking to her, prayed with her, and so forth. And then her husband came in, and, they, you know, I thought it was kind of rude just for me to leave and so forth. So they started talking to me, and they talked about how they met and so forth, how long they'd been married. And they shared with me that their daughter was, she died at the, as a baby. And here I am talking, and this is the question the father asked me. Can you tell me why God took our little girl? Sometimes we hear questions where, why my wife like why? 
We have this beautiful family, everything, she just threw it away, or her husband. And you know, after studying God's Word for a while and preaching, I found out that why is not our question. Only God has the answer to that. How is our question. How are you going to react? How is the important thing to us? What do we do when the lights go out, when nothing seems to make sense? You know, we feel that we can almost bear up anything. We can, as long as we know why things are happening. But when we're suffering, it doesn't make sense, then it's hard. But I want you to look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, and we're going to be in verses 10 and 11 today. 50, 10, and 11. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Now, I want to stop just right there and say, we would say, if someone is fearing God and obeying God's servants, wouldn't we think this, people is, this person is walking in, in the light? Wouldn't we? We could say the next step is walking in the light. But listen to this. Who among you fears the Lord? who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourself with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Now here's the question. What do you do when the lights go out? What do you do when God doesn't make sense? What do you do when we're walking in darkness and there is no light? Look at verse 10 again. Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. You see, this is not talking about someone who has wandered off from God and needs to come back. We're talking about someone who fears God. Doesn't mean that he cringes. This is reverential fear, respect. Person has great respect, reverence for God, obeys the voice of God. He says, yes, Lord, I will obey you. But yet, he seems to be in darkness. Folks, there's no fine print in the contract. You know, I, I want to tell you that if you're considering becoming a Christian, it's not all sweetness and light. Sometimes I think pastors and churches overpromise things, and in order for somebody to get people to come to Christ for the wrong reasons, you're, you're, it's going to be all honey and no bees. Well, that's wrong. My dad has been a bee farmer for over 30 years in Russia, and I know a little bit about bees. They hurt. They hurt. There's a distorted idea that if you become a Christian, it will be all happiness and all light and all sweetness and just roses through life. There'll be no sickness, no sorrow. Everything is just going to be perfect. And, you know, you're going through life, ascendant scale. You're going to have health, success. And, you know, when you get old, you serene age, you're going to have a glorious exit to heaven. And it would be nice if it happens that way, but it doesn't. It generally does not. There's no need to deny it. And folks, we read the scripture, and we know probably thousands of saints who fear God, obey God, who are walking in the darkness. Now, as we study the Bible, you're going to find out it was true with these Bible saints. We heard one of them last Sunday. Mike preached last Sunday from the book of Job. 
And in Job 19.8, Job says, He has fenced up my way so that I cannot pass, and he has set darkness in my paths. Who has done that? Who has done that? God said darkness in the path of old Job, and Job said, I just don't understand this. Why is there darkness? It's not making any sense. I was reading the book of Habakkuk, and the prophet, and we'll talk about it next Sunday, but in uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Habakkuk stained heaven with prayers. He's saying, where are you, God? I'm crying out to you. Nothing is making sense. Think about Joseph. We all know the story of Joseph, right? He sold slavery by his own brothers, then was falsely accused, thrown in jail, and Joseph finds himself in prison. Why was he in prison? For doing something right? He wasn't there for doing something wrong. He was there for doing something right. Why? I read in the Bible about John Baptist, right? Was he a great man? Of course he was. Jesus said there's not a greater man born of a woman, but he's in prison, in a dungeon. And in Luke 7.20, he sends people to go talk to Jesus. He's in darkness. Are you the Messiah? He says, when the man had come to him and said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, say, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? This doesn't make sense, Jesus. You're the Messiah. We're going to be set free. And like Job, God never really answered the why question, if you think about it. Because in Luke 7, this is what Jesus answered to them. Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Still didn't answer his question. I read about Apostle Paul. We all know Apostle Paul, the greatest, probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. And in 2 Corinthians, he writes to them, chapter 4, 8 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. But here's the key thing. Not in despair. We're hard-pressed, crushed, perplexed. Maybe this Christian, great Christian, is backsliding. He's not. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Paul knew that darkness does not need to put us in despair. And if you read outside the Bible, you know, if you history or saints or anything like that, there's not one of them that hardly had not had a dark day. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers who has ever lived, on one occasion he went through such soul-shaking distress that he felt God had departed from him. Why? I mean, till this day, we quote this preacher and listen to his sermons and read his books. But there was a time in his life where he felt God has abandoned him. And if you're in darkness, if you're plunged into darkness and things don't make sense, it doesn't mean that you're sin or you're out of the will of God necessarily. And I'm going to give you some prepositions as we go through this. And folks, I want to ask you a question, and I think Mike asked it too. When you have grown 
most spiritually? When, when did that happen for you? When it was all honey and no bees? When did you grow spiritually the most? It happens in the dark. And faith that is born in the light is often developed in the dark. When it's all sunlight and roses, we don't seem to be growing spiritually. But darkness, aren't those the times when you grow the most? And faith like film is developed in darkness. And I want to tell you about three men named John, what happened to them when they were in dark, darkness. Do you guys know John Milton? Well, he was blind and he wrote one of the greatest books, Paradise Lost. I don't know if you heard of it. Another name, John, is John Bunyan. I'm sure you guys know him. One of his greatest works, Pilgrim's Progress, came through when he was in prison, darkness. And then John, when did he write the book of Revelation? that great book of Revelation, when he was exiled on Patmos. And what God wants us to do with this darkness is to develop our faith. That's what we need to understand. And the wise man said, never doubt in the dark what God and what you learned in the light. And faith that is born in the light, folks, grows in the dark. Now, test of your character is also what you do in the dark. When nobody's looking as well, that's the test of your character. So it's not test of your character what you're doing here today. But what do you do when the dark times come? So how does God develop our faith in darkness? Look at verse 10 again. Who among you fears the Lord who obeys the voice of his servant who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and reply, rely upon his God. What does it say? Look to the Lord, trust in the Lord. You know, Warren Brisby once said, we live by promises, not explanations. And there's lots of wisdom in those words. We live by promises, not explanations. Don't demand to understand. Don't demand God to explain something to you. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. And just because it doesn't make sense right now doesn't mean it's gonna, not going to make sense to you later. And Thomas Watson said, where reason cannot wade, faith must swim. Just trust God. Just keep trusting. Keep obeying God. And folks, we don't have the capacity to understand the ways of all wise and almighty God. We don't have the capacity. You see, God's perspective is so much different than ours. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And if you watch a parade, anybody watch a Macy's parade or any kind of parade, if you watch it from a street level, right, you see one float at a time. But if you watch it from the high up, you see the entire picture. You see beginning from the end. And God's perspective is from the beginning to the end. And if you're praying and darkness comes right now, don't stop praying. Just keep praying. If you're witnessing darkness comes, keep witnessing. And if you're praising God and darkness comes, don't stop praising. Keep praising. When you don't understand, when you don't feel like it, that's when you need to praise and worship God. By faith, trust Him, trust Him. Who among you fears? And you see that word rely? 
rely upon his God. It has the same root word as in Psalm 23. Remember we studied Psalm 23 in verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the staff there for, for the shepherd? To rely on. That they would lean upon, stay upon God. And when you're in the dark, you don't need explanations. What you need is God. And we're so busy looking for explanations that we totally miss out on God. Lean upon the God. And folks, it's better to be in the dark valley leaning on God than a sunlit peak on the mountain without him. Just stay upon God. And folks, sometimes when we're, you know, God takes away the why question for us in order that we know the who. To understand the who. It is him. Sometimes God removes all the answers to give us himself. Remember that old gospel song? I don't know if anybody you know it, but when answers aren't enough, there's Jesus. For example, let's go back to Psalm 23 and verse 1. David, let's think of the study of Psalm 23 when David was talking about theology when he was talking about God, right? And verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But go back to verse 4, and you'll see that in his darkness now, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's not talking about God now. He's talking to God. I mean, he's having a relationship with God that he could not have, could have had in the light. Just stay upon God. And Job, he says, hey, he fenced up my way. I cannot pass. And he said, darkness in my past. God, you owe me some answers. Old Job was, boy, I wish I could see you and talk with you. But do you know how the book of Job ends? It ends with Job never understanding the why. We understand what happened to Job because we read the book, but Job didn't have the book of Job to read it through and see what's happening. He didn't understand the why, nor he got any answers. He was in darkness. But this is what he says in verse 15 of Job 13. says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. Job did not know why he was getting slayed. And Job discovered what I want all of us to discover, that a relationship is more important than reason. I don't understand all the ways or all the things God does in my life. Though he slay me, I will trust him. When you don't have the reason, you just have God. You're walking in darkness, and the Bible tells us, let him trust in the name of the Lord Jesus and rely upon his God. Well, you say, well, I've never been in that kind of darkness. Well, just hang on. You will. This is good medicine to keep on the shelf. And there will come a time when you find out God is not only necessary, you'll find out that God is enough. He is all you're going to need. And the next thing I want to see, what the sometimes, sometimes the things that are seen in the dark, folks, cannot be seen in the light. You're going to understand that some things in darkness that you would never, never understand in the light. 
That's why we need darkness. If we looked at verses 10 and 11, but if you go back to verses Isaiah 50, or verses 3 and 4, it says, I clothe the heavens with blackness. I make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me and by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as learned. I clothe the heavens with blackness. You see, God sends the darkness. He says, I just pull it over the sun. Just close up the sun. And when you wake up from the darkness, you're going to find out that you learn some things in the darkness that you would never, ever learn in the light. There are some treasures of darkness. And when the Bible uses darkness, sometimes it uses this darkness as a symbol of evil, of course. But other times it uses it as a symbol of perplexity. And there are treasures of darkness. If you go back to Isaiah 45.3, you can find out that God's speaking to a Persian king named Cyrus. And this is what he says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I am the Lord who called you by your name, I'm the God of Israel. There are some things that are seen in the dark, treasures that cannot be seen in the light. For example, during the spring, summertime, my wife, around 9 p.m., when it's, you know, you hear the crickets cripping and all day, it's all quiet in the neighborhood. She likes to take walks, and she would drag me along with her. And we would walk and so forth, and you know where we live, and out in a little bit in the country, uh, not too much. And she would say, oh, the stars are out tonight. Got to be all romantic, and then, then I ruined the moment by saying, well, the stars are out during the daytime. You can't just see them. They're always there, right? The stars are always there. But you can see them during the darkness. You can't see them during the daylight. And Psalm 148.3 says, Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. But you wouldn't have a star to praise God for if it weren't for the darkness. Those stars are like the chandelier, velvet blackness of night. Those stars are there, but you cannot see them if it were not for the darkness. You cannot see the stars. In light we see which is near but in dark, do you know we see it farther away? One time, right after high school, graduating high school, my cousin and I decided to take a road trip all through the United States, and we're going to California. In the state of Nevada, you know, this is my Corne Petrenko, Grateful Dead t-shirt, long hair type of days. And we're heading on this freeway. I can't remember what it was, but it was flat. So we decided to test out how fast the car goes and so forth. And then as we're traveling, we see a light just a little twinkle, and we start freaking out. You know, my cousin is a little bit conspiracy guy. He's like, it's Area 51, man. But we see a light, and we don't know what it is. It's twinkling, twinkling. Five minutes later, a truck passes by. When it was daylight, we probably wouldn't even see that truck coming towards us. But at night, because he has his lights on, we can see him. We can see some things in the dark that we can't see in the light. We see further. In times of darkness, there are going to be certain treasures, folks. Don't forget that. There are things that seem 
to be dark, but you need it so you can see a little further. So you can see a little further. And folks, again, it's better for you to be leaning on God in darkness than standing alone in the man-made light. Remember in verse 10, he says, Who among you fears the Lord, obeys the you know, voice of his servants? Let, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. But then he moves on to verse 11. In Isaiah 50, 11, he says, and this is our problem. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourself with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. This you should have from my hand. You should lie in torment. Now, one of the great dangers of darkness, we're tempted to light our own fire. We're tempted to light our own fire. Now remember that if darkness comes to you, and if you're fearing God, you're obeying God, and the darkness comes, that means that darkness has been ordained by God. Remember in verse 3, Isaiah verse 3 says, I clothe the heavens with blackness. That's God's ordained darkness. And don't ever get the idea that, you know, darkness can chase away light. If you're in a lighted room like we are now, we can't open the door and say, let darkness come in, right? Dark can never chase away light. So the only way, therefore, that darkness can come to our lives is we are obeying God is for that light to be removed. So if the light has been removed, that means that God in his sovereignty plan has allowed you to be in darkness, that God has a reason for you to be in darkness. If God has closed the heavens with sackcloth, like he said, if God has done that, and if God has done, don't you be so foolish, folks. Try to light your own fire in darkness. When you light your own fire, you're going to get into difficulties, and that's what happens. Oh, this ain't right. And you start lighting your own fire until you have a chance to figure out and see what you need to see in the darkness. You're trying to light up the, the light. And because you're trying to do what God has done, you're trying to undo what God is doing in your life. And if you walk in the light of the fire, if you, you walk in those sparks you've kindled, you're not going to have a sure guide, folks. It's the same thing as going out at nighttime, you know, taking a flashlight and pointing it on a sundial and saying, oh, what time is it? Doesn't make any sense. I mean, your own man light, man-made light. And God says, if you do this when you're in darkness, if you light your own fire, you shall lie down in torment. You're asking for it. And that's how we get into trouble and difficulty. In a time of God-ordained darkness, we tempt, we try to light our own fire. Can I give you some examples of that? Well, you don't have a choice. I'll give them to you anyway. First example is Abraham. God said to Abraham in a time of light, I'm going to give you a son. Right? He said, I'm going to give you a son. And this son is going to bless the world. Son will be a son of miracle. And through this son, all of the promises through Abraham will be fulfilled. 
You're going to have descendants like sands on seashore and like the stars. Look in Genesis 22, 17. It says, Blessing, I will bless you and multiply. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and sand, which is the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. So all these promises, year after God made that promise and told that to him, year has passed, no son. Finally, Abraham and Sarah got together. Well, there's no son. We better help God out, right? We better help him out. And Sarah had an Egyptian maiden whose name is Hagar, and she said to Abraham in Genesis 16:2. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps she'll obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Do you know what Abraham was doing here? He was lighting his own fire. He was lighting his own fire. He was trying to help God out because it was darkness. He couldn't understand what was happening. Where's the promised son? And for centuries, millenniums have passed, and the offspring of Abraham have been lying down in sorrow. Folks, do you know why there's so much tension in the Middle East? The Israels and the Arabs and so forth? Well, where do you, th- where do you think the Muslims eventually came from? What do you think their enemies? The sons of Ishmael. Two great nations. And God said, Before you, because you did this, I'm going to produce a big nation from him too. And look what it says in Genesis 16, 12. He shall be a wild man, and he shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Think of a temple mount, right? It's in Jerusalem, temple mount. What's sitting up there? Is it a synagogue? It's a mosque. It's not a synagogue. In the middle... Of Israel. Why? He's going to dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Do you see what he did by lighting his own fire? Abraham took matters into his own hands with no direction, no command from God, lit his own fire, and now everything's lying down in sorrow. Another example is Moses. God said, Moses, I want you to lead the children of Israel out of bondage, lead them into my land, and appointed my leader, but Moses was looking around. How is this going to happen? Doesn't seem to understand, and then he sees people arguing. Steps up and kills the Egyptian. Maybe this is the way, right? It's raised up the swords. Maybe God wants me to lead Israel out of this way by doing a revolution. He slays the Egyptian, buries him in the desert. If you read Exodus 2, 12, it says, So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in sand. What did God do? God's winds uncovered that Egyptian. They uncovered Moses' mistakes. And Moses, who sent out to be a missionary, ended up a murderer. Not only that, He wandered around the desert for 40 years, lying down in sorrow. He lit his own fire. What about Peter? You remember Peter? He too lit his own fire. You know, Jesus said, Simon, Satan has desired to swift you as sweet, and I prayed for you that your faith will not fail and so forth. Oh, Lord, I'll go to prison for you. 
And then that dark night in Gethsemane, when it was dark, things didn't make sense, they came and arrest Jesus. And rather than believe in what God has shown him in the light, in darkness, Simon Peter, in John 18.10, says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and stuck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name is Malchus. As a result of this, Peter, what do we find him doing? I'll go to prison for you. Bitterly weeping, repenting, wept. Why? Try to light his own fire. Try to light your own fire. Folks, it's better for you to be leaning on God in darkness than standing alone in the man-made light. And I saved the last, best for last. Friend, if your sun has set, if you're in darkness, it will rise again. It will rise again. Because if you read Isaiah 50, 40, uh, 50 uh, verses 4 through 5, as we did, the Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that should I know how to speak a word in season to whom, who, him who is weary. He awakens me my morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned, the Lord God has opened my ear. I will not be rebellious, nor did I turn away. God will waken you in the morning. So if you're going through darkness and come out, folks, you'll learn and know things other people won't know. He awakens me morning by morning. He, he awakens my ear to hear as learned. In the morning when it comes, when you're gone through that dark night of the soul when you've been through anguish, I'm telling you, friend, there's a better day coming. You know, I'll talk more about this in the second message. First message is kind of short, but be prepared for the second message next Sunday. But, you know, I read the book, and I'm sure you guys read the book too, right? In the end, we win. So, if we know we win, why are we so discouraged? Why are we in despair? Because the morning will come. So if you're in darkness right now, trust God. If you're in darkness right now, lean on God. If you're in darkness right now, don't try to light your own fire. Don't, don't say, how do we take our country back? Your kingdom, where are you a citizen of? Okay, we'll talk more about that, you know. But that's the mindset I want you guys to have. And, and it, when we're in darkness, look at Psalm 30, uh, uh, verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes when? In the morning. There's some things God wants you to show you in the darkness. And in Psalm 112, verse 4 says, Unto the upright there arises the light in darkness. So again, if you're obeying God, you're living by God's word, and you're in darkness, unto the upright there arises the light in darkness. So that means the upright is in darkness in order for the light to be uplifted in darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. So you may lie down and wet your pillow, with tears, but I'm telling you, there's a better day coming. And you're going to see things that you've never seen before more clearly than you've ever seen them before when you have God-ordained darkness in your life. And there's some people in this room, I know some of you have deep, deep hurts. 
and you have some big, big questions, and you're trying to best to know and how to love God, and you fear God, you, fear God, you obey God, and nothing seems to make sense. Trust him. Lean on him. As you find out, lots of saints never, never got the answer to why. Relationship is more important than reason. Trust on him. Maybe that's why he's trying to give you some darkness. So you can learn how to rely on him. Learn how to trust him. To wake up in your spiritual life. To see where you really are. And sometimes when darkness comes, you'll find yourself more praying, spending time. And then you need to realize at that moment, am I doing those things when the light is on? When actually all those things are doing well? Am I praising God? And folks, let me say the last word before we're going to have prayer. If you're not a child of God, if you're not trusting in God, if you're not staying upon God, there's another kind of darkness, and that's the everlasting darkness. Everlasting darkness. And for those who do not know Jesus Christ, they'll go through this from this life to eternal. They'll go to everlasting darkness. Without Jesus, the sun will never rise. Without Jesus, the sun will never rise for you. So I want you to know that Jesus, I want you to trust Jesus. He is the light of the world, as he said. And if you're not certain that you're saved or you're, you, know, you want to be saved, I have wonderful news. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. Trust and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So that's part one. Part two, bring pen and a notebook. Because we don't want to talk about some darkness. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us and leaving us your word that encourages us. That in time of trouble... When things don't make sense, at least to us, that we need to learn just to trust you, to lean on you, because your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. Sometimes we wonder why things happen. This should have happened. This would be more beneficial for Christians or for the Christian world or for churches and why we're, why are we being persecuted or why are we being attacked and those kind of questions. But really, that just tells us we don't spend enough time in your word. Father, help us to trust you, lean on you, no matter what's happening around the world, our state, our country, and be the light that you want us to be with our life, the surrounding people around us. And as we leave this place today, I ask that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.